Today's episode is sponsored by the Rising Tide Mastermind. The Rising Tide Mastermind is where people just like you get together every week to help each other with issues. Let's face it, issues are hard, so why start from square one when somebody can tell you what they've done with a similar issue? If this sounds like something that's interesting to you, go to scalinguph2o.com forward slash mastermind to see if the Rising Tide Mastermind is right for you. Welcome to Scaling Up H2O, the podcast where we scale up on knowledge so we don't scale up our systems. My name is Trace Blackmore, Trace Blackmore CWT, that is, Certified Water Technologist. And folks, if you are in the same type of water treatment that I am, you know about the Certified Water Technologist designation. You know that that is the gold standard to prove to anybody that you are in this business to stay, that you are among the elite of everybody that is in this particular field of industrial water treatment. Now, I've had my CWT since 2003, and I've had the pleasure of going through all my continuing education and making sure that I recertify each and every five years and I have just been so proud of my CWT. I've also been so proud of all of the people that I have known throughout my career that have obtained their Certified Water Technologist designation. And once again, it is the highest designation you can get in this industry. And I encourage that if you practice the same type of water treatment that I do, that you aspire to get your CWT. Now, many of you know, one of my favorite jobs that I have is I am one of the trainers for the Association of Water Technologies. And I do things like introduction to water treatment for people that are new to the industry. But I also teach people confidence around mathematics in water treatment equations. And that is where a lot of people really have some fear and why they do not take their certified water technologist exam. And I've worked with a lot of these people and I've given them confidence that they can go and they can take this examination. And it's one of my favorite things to do. Actually, my favorite thing to do is getting a phone call from somebody that I have worked with and they said, I just passed my examination. It's my favorite thing and I don't just want to do it twice a year at the AWT technical trainings. I want to do that each and every day. And I'm a firm believer that the industrial water treater that I am talking to right now most likely can pass the exam, but you lack confidence to go and schedule the exam. Well, folks, to celebrate the 4th of July, we are going to do a special promotion. As you may or may not know, the great team here at Scaling Up H2O has launched the Scaling Up H2O Academy, where we are going to bring water treatment training products to you 
so you can start learning more about this incredible field on your time through the classes that we are producing. And one of the first classes that we did produce is the CWT prep course. Now, I've talked on this podcast about the CWT prep course before, and there are so many people that have taken advantage of our free version of the CWT prep class. Thank you for that. We also have a paid version, and this is where we created a 100-question mock examination for you to experience the flavor of about the questions that you are going to get on the exam. Of course, nobody knows what questions you're going to get because they are randomly generated each and every examination. But you will get a feel of some of the types of questions that are on there through this practice examination. So this is how the course is laid out. You will take the practice examination and then you will get a score on it. You will then watch a video of me taking each and every one of those exam questions and rationalizing with you why I got a certain answer or how I could have taken out two of the answers and left it to only two. So now I've got a 50% chance instead of a 25% chance. So all of those tips and tricks and things to study for. Maybe you have no idea how I answered a softener question. So we have some resources right there on the page where you can study more about that particular type of question. With this, we are celebrating the 4th of July and we are giving you 10% off the paid CWT prep course. So how do you get that? Well, it's very simple. You go to scalinguph2o.com forward slash CWT prep. Once again, scalinguph2o.com forward slash CWT prep. And then you are going to select the CWT practice examination paid course, and you're going to put in the discount code of CWT10. Once again, that's capital C, capital W, capital T10, and that will give you 10% off of the regular price. Folks, you have no excuse anymore you are going to get the confidence you need to take the Certified Water Technologist Examination. Well, Nation, I'm starting this whole podcast with all the things that I really enjoy doing. We talked about how I love being a trainer for AWT. We talked about how I love motivating people to get confidence to take their Certified Water Technologist Examination. And now we're going to talk about how I love hosting The Hang. And the hang is where we get together as industrial water treaters. We meet new people. We talk about whatever is going on in our worlds. We leave with new friends we didn't know we didn't have, but now we have them. And we do that each and every quarter. So the next hang is going to be July 13th. And you can go to scalinguph2o.com forward slash hang, that's H-A-N-G, and you can register for The Hang. Folks, you do not want to miss this. The Hang is where so many people have connected and solve so many issues that they may have been having, and they had no idea how to tackle them. And then somebody said, 
I know exactly how to fix that. So you don't want to miss the hang. Once again, that website is scalinguph2o.com forward slash hang. And we will start on July 13th at 6 p.m. Eastern time. I hope to see you there. Nation, something you might also want to look forward to is in just two short months, we are celebrating once again Legionella Awareness Month. Now, we started this a couple of years ago, and I got to be honest, I didn't know how well this was going to be received by our audience, but I wanted to bring information to you about Legionella. And I know there's a ton of information out there about Legionella, and personally, I thought you had all the information that you needed. Each and every year, we bring you several episodes during the month of August that teach you more about Legionella, that give you some more information on how you can explain to your customers Legionella, and they are some of our highest listened to shows each and every year. So we're going to be doing that again this year. So it's coming in August. Make sure you are ready for those. Something else you might want to mark your calendar for is the American Water Resources Association is having their conference July 17th through 19th in Denver, Colorado. We'll have all of the information that you want to know about that conference and how to register by going to scale up h2o.com and going over to our events page. StormCon 2023 is happening August 28th through 30th in Dallas, Texas. If you are in the storm water industry, this is definitely something that you want to check out. Again, all the information that you need to know is going to be on our events page. And then the final thing I'll mention is the American Water Resources Association is having their Water Resources Conference November 6th through 8th in Raleigh, North Carolina. This is one of the most diverse and inclusive conferences when it comes to water resource management. All of that information will be on our events page. And if you ever miss any of the events that we mention here on Scaling Up H2O, do not worry. The team here at Scaling Up H2O has made it so easy for you to, at a glance, go to scalinguph2o.com. Click over on our events section and you can see absolutely everything that is going on in the world of water. If you find something that's not on there, let me and let my team know and we will definitely get that on the program. Folks, this is supposed to be the one-stop shop for you because I know you're busy. You're busy driving from account to account. You're busy talking to customers. You're busy trying to give them the best water treatment possible. So while you're driving to account to account, we're going to keep you informed of everything that you need to know to be the best water treater that you can be. And I think one of the things that helps us each and every week is to listen to the guests that we bring on this amazing podcast so we can learn more from these experts as they share with us all of the vast knowledge that they have. So Nation, here's our interview. My lab partner today is returning guest, Gary Garcia of Masters. Gary, welcome back to the Scaling Up H2O podcast. Thank you, Trace. It's a pleasure to be here. Lots of things have happened since we saw you back on episode 206. We're in the 300s now. Can you imagine that? Wow. Yes, things, things have changed in the world. Yes. 
So I remember you were helping us out on navigating a pandemic and uh, what to expect from our raw material suppliers and how we should be managing inventory. Lots of things have changed and maybe some have stayed the same from then to now. And lots of things have happened to you personally since then to now. Yes, that is true. Okay. Both in AWT, in the company and in life. Yes. Well, let's start by peeling the onion. And why don't we start with you? So what's going on with Gary personally? What's, what's new in Gary's life? Just, I'm very optimistic all of the time. I always try and take a look at the bright side. So things are going well in life. I always try and have a sunny day if at all possible. So that's all to the good. <laughs> and you were also on the Association of Water Technologies Board of Directors. So curious, tell us, how did you get to that position? What was that experience like? And now that that term has served out, what is life like now at AWT for you? Well, I, I was very honored to, to be considered for the board and to be nominated and put on the board. And as you know, the perception may be that there's very little work to do or, or that, uh, you know, you're going to stay in a nice hotel and get a nice dinner. The reality is, is um, again, as you know, they'll give you a one inch, two inch thick uh, manual for every board meeting and uh, you're expected to be prepared with it and to make decisions and to uh, try and push the AWT organization forward. For me personally, it, it was an honor. I'm always grateful for that. When my term ended, I would take the position of George Washington. You need to walk away from it. Someone else's term needs to come along. And I'm happy to say that Ms. Pam Simmons is doing a great job. So, Gary, the position that you held is a little bit different from just the regular board of directors position. Can you tell us a little bit about that? That's correct. As, the, as a supplier, you're in an advisory role. The actual exchange in the board is, is people will ask your opinion. How does it affect the suppliers? What is it that uh, you can offer for whatever the uh, issue or agenda may be? So you're not a voting member, but you do have a voice. And the job of a supplier rep is to particularly be the voice of all of the suppliers that belong to AWT. I was on the board for nine years total. And I saw three supplier representatives uh, do a fantastic job. And even though there is no vote, I have observed many times where the words that they said have directly changed how a vote would have happened. Well, I, I don't know if, if anything that I ever said changed a vote. I will say that there's a different perspective of the marketplace from the suppliers than there would be from a service company. And I think that for the organization, it has to balance both perspectives. It really is a synergism between the water treatment service company and the supplier base. We have a lot of members that supply the industrial water treatment community, potential people that could serve in the same capacity that you served. What do you want them to know? First of all, it's an honor to do it. Second of all, you do have a lot of input. 
third, you will do a lot of work for it. But it is gratifying, and and it is something that if you're looking to serve the organization, you should strongly consider it. And then how does somebody get to be nominated for that position? Well, uh, my suggestion would be is to make it known that you would like to serve, um, that you would like to participate in that. Do it either through the AWT uh, organization or through a board member or send someone a note. Send Trace Blackmore a note and, and pass it along through the system. Yeah, definitely. If somebody goes to scalinguph2o.com and sends us a note through that, we will definitely make sure we get that to the appropriate area. And we're talking about the Association of Water Technologies, but this goes for pretty much any organization that somebody wants to support. Pretty much uh, things run similarly, but they only run if we have people that run them. Absolutely true. For an organization like AWT, volunteerism is the key. So, Gary, also with AWT, specifically at last year's convention, you stood up and you accepted a particularly prestigious award, the Water Treater of the Year, the Ray Baum Memorial Award. Tell us about that experience. That's a, a wow moment. You know, again, I can't say enough how humble I am to receive that award. To have my name associated with many other Ray Baum Award winners, including Mr. Trace Blackmore, and most of these people I have had the honor of knowing and working with over the years, it leaves me speechless every time I think about it. I was extremely proud to stand up and applaud you on as you took the stage. Thank you. And I'm curious, what was your process as you prepared your speech? I probably did it like. 20 times, uh, you, you know, I, w I was thinking about one approach being lighthearted, doing all the rest of that. But in the end, I think what you have to do is you just have to, uh, from your heart, say whatever you can. Well, it was well given and well received. For those people that don't know, this is the highest award that you could receive in our industry. And uh, you don't know that, that you've received it up until pretty close to the time you actually receive it. So what was that process like? Did you get a phone call? Did your family know before you did? How did it go? I received a phone call and the call I received came out of the blue and it says basically just want to let you know, but you have been given the Ray Baum Award and congratulations. And again, for me, I was, I was shocked. Just an amazing thing that happens in, in life. Well, it was well-deserved, Gary, when I think of what that award means. And it goes to people that have made an impact on this industry. And I look at all of the organizations that you're a member of, specifically the Association of Water Technologies, the committees that you've served on, the papers that you've authored, the uh, presentations that you have gone over to make sure they were appropriate and helped people make them even better for all of the uh, numerous conventions that we've had. And the list goes on and on and on. Again, for me, congratulations. I was so pleased to see you take the stage for this award. Well, I thank you, thank you, and thank you. And my thanks again extended to everyone at AWT. It's something I have cherished and will continue to cherish. Thank you. Well, to switch gears again, 
I remember back, we were all dealing with a pandemic and there was a round table meeting and everybody was pretty optimistic. And you said, I'm going to be a little bit different. I'm not quite as optimistic. And you laid down what you thought we would see in the near future back in 2020, 2021. And Gary, you nailed it. You 100% nailed pretty much exactly what we experienced. And I think because you gave that advice, because you gave your opinion, a lot of people were a lot better positioned. We did that back on episode 221. So one, I want to thank you for kind of breaking the mold a little bit and saying, you know, I think I see this a little bit differently. It could happen this way. It could happen another way. But uh, this is what I would prepare for. You helped a lot of people that day. Well, again, I thank you for that. I would love to have optimism for the supply chain and, and the cost profiles for the coming year. But my humble opinion, again, is, is that the marketplace should be conservative. You've seen some things get better. Some prices come down. Availability of some raw materials have improved. But overall, I'm still rather pessimistic because the inflation rate is continuing to go up. Government doesn't count fuel and other items there, although there's a... Um, um, some raw materials are, are in better supply. Others are still quite tight. And the least little change in the marketplace is going to cause those to be so scarce it's not funny. So for the next year, me personally, I'm still rather pessimistic for it. I, I think we have at least another year, year and a half before we get out of it. So if somebody is listening and they're responsible for ordering for their warehouse, what advice do you have for them? I think that we have all learned over the past two years to be planning and to try and keep things in the chain to be able to react. If you find a bargain, take the bargain. But by the same token, be extremely aware that in a very, very short period of time, things can change dramatically. And I don't think you're going to see them change dramatically by prices going down. Because cost of labor, cost of transportation, cost of production is way up. So in that mode, if you can get supplies, great. Uh, but be prepared to continue to pay a higher price. For the most part, would you say that uh, quantity has returned to the marketplace? It's not difficult or impossible to find things at present? Well, that's, that's true. Things have gotten better. Transportation costs coming in from Asia have greatly reduced. Supplies have greatly increased. But you still have turmoil going on in the world. And that turmoil can affect what actually is, is being produced and what the quantities are, where there could be a supply chain disruption. Are there particular sources that you go to look at to try to figure out what the landscape looks like? There's no one particular source. What I try and do is spend some time every week looking at some of the trends that are going on. In our position, we uh, try and take the, uh, a proactive approach and communicate to our customers what we see, what, what's happening, what to be prepared for, so that nobody's kind of caught unawares. So I, I use a whole variety of different inputs, Trace. 
Well, Gary, as far as your company, Masters, uh, can you remind the Scaling Up Nation what Masters does and how you can help members of the Scaling Up Nation? All right. So we are a uh, private label supplier of test kits, reagents, blending, distribution, um, laboratory services, anything that has to do with water. We probably have our fingers in the pie. Would love to help anybody in any way that we can. So feel free to contact us at any time. And I would also say there are times where we recognize that we can't provide something or can't necessarily do a service for a customer, but we have no problem directing them and helping them um, make those contacts. You have been in charge of Masters for quite some time, uh, a great accomplishment, but you've also seen things change within our industry. I'm curious, what's one of the greatest changes you've seen since you've taken the chair that you sit in at Masters? That's an excellent question with many layers to it. I think uh, the recent trends are for as much automation as possible. The cost of servicing the customer, the the, uh, end user not having staff like they used to brings on more and more automation. But by the same token, it's still a service industry and there haven't really been any major technological breakthroughs over the past 10 years or so. So it's still pretty status quo. Some of the marketing approaches have changed fairly dramatically from more full service and more responsibility on the water treatment service company. As far as people in the industry, what have you seen from then to now? As far as numbers of people, how well known our industry is along those lines? The number of people in the industry, from what I can see, is about the same. The mix has definitely changed. One of the things that I think AWT has done extremely well is to assemble an education system that really is world-class and allows the industry to be really the leader and, and to be advancing the technologies better than anyone else. It seems like we do this every so often, and I, of course, have only been privileged to to see it this time around, but a lot of the members, specifically in the Association of Water Technologies, have gotten to the point where they're looking for the next chapter of their lives, and they're looking for what is the 2.0, what is the next version of their company, and they're either having somebody in their family take over, they're having somebody within the company take over, or maybe they're selling that to an outside party. That seems to be happening more and more recently. And I'm curious, as far as being on the AWT board and working with all these other companies that you work with, have you seen some commonalities with that? And if so, what are they? And have you even been able to create some advice that you would want to give to those people as they're transitioning? Well, there's a couple of things happening in the marketplace that are pretty clear. First of all, there is a graying of the industry. A number of companies, their founders came along in the 70s and 80s, started the companies. There was a a boomlet of small water treatment companies. Those people are are now trying to properly retire. Some have family members that can take over. Some uh, really don't have an exit strategy. 
some are ripe for acquisition. What we've seen in the past few years is that because the cost of money is was extremely low, it was easy for companies to come in and purchase uh, some of the other competitors, some of the people in the marketplace. That is changing a little bit because the cost of money has gone up, but there's also opportunities there for both the buyer and the seller as some of these other companies try and gain mass and trying to move it up. This is not new. This has happened before. It's just this is the latest wave. And I think what we will see, and that's a potential danger to an organization like AWT, is the fact that that consolidation lessens the membership, the gross number of companies that participate. And I know recently AWT passed a uh, update to their bylaws to allow for individual memberships. So hopefully that'll offset that issue. Hopefully, yes. That program has gone along well now. It's uh, what? October. So that's good. Gary, something that concerns me is all the knowledge that we potentially can lose during this transition. And it's one of the selfish reasons I started this podcast, because I want to amass all the knowledge I can from the, the people that are in this industry while they're in this industry. But I'm curious, how can we ensure that we're not losing all this amazing knowledge as the torch gets passed? I don't know if we can um, assure ourselves that we'll capture all of that knowledge. I do think that we need to be aware that some of the knowledge is almost irreplaceable. And we need to continue that dialogue with people and to try and work with those people as they leave the industry. Just because they leave full-time doesn't mean that uh, the industry and or companies can't tap into their knowledge base, either on a consulting basis or, you know, just a good exchange. But that is a problem, Trace. I'm all for the Vulcan mind meld, if we can figure out how to do that. <laughs> so uh, you have a unique perspective. I normally interview people that are familiar with the Rising Tide Mastermind to let members or our potential members within the Scaling Up Nation know about uh, the group. But you are not a member of the group, but you encourage one of your team members to be a member of the group. So if you don't mind, I'd like to explore that a little bit, because I know there are a lot of people out there that may not understand the benefit of sponsoring somebody, of encouraging somebody to get involved, maybe not in our group, but a group like that, and what the benefits to the employer is. So uh, we're, of course, talking about Teresa, who is just uh, amazing, Teresa Williams, that works with you. She's been a member of the Rising Tide Mastermind for quite some time. And I'm just curious, as the person that is in charge of the company that she works with, what benefit have you seen? Well, the benefit is, is clear for all of our associates. I encourage all of them to find outlets and to participate in those. In, in the past, we've had several people join AWT committees, in, including Teresa. Their ability to see the world in a, in a larger context, to see the customers that they deal with in a larger context, is going to help the organization in the long term, literally each and every day. Her involvement in a number of AWT items plus masterminds, again, broadens her perspective. 
And in the beginning, you may not see a large difference or a measurable difference. But over time, you always see. And again, I encourage our people here, join, participate in as many items as you can tackle, as you can handle. Well, when it comes to that participation, the knee-jerk reaction from an employer is, well, that's not work. That's taking time away from me. That's taking time away from my organization. So why would I ever encourage somebody to do that? It's short-term versus long-term. I take the position that I'm investing in our organization and our personnel. So if someone comes to me and says that they would like to take a class on safety or whatever that may be, or they can benefit themselves in the organization, I'm all for it. One of my favorite mastermind stories is Teresa on the Whirly Ball Court last year. I don't know if you heard about this, but this is if lacrosse and bumper cars had a love child. That's how you would describe Whirly Ball. And uh, Teresa, the nicest person you will ever meet, she was so incredibly aggressive on that court. She wanted to win, and you were not going to take that ball from her. That was amazing. That's the killer instinct that she's learned by working at Masters for many years. <laughs> well, Gary, I'm, I'm curious. Uh, you're always working with companies, and you're trying to take what they're currently doing and taking it to the next notch, if you will. One of the things that I know you do is you try to eliminate water from products because, hey, if we don't need to ship and carry water, why would we and why should we? So can you tell us a little bit about that? Okay. The answer is yes, we, we've done that. And what, what happened was we got approached to manufacture some uh, solid products um, because I had background in it almost 20 years ago when all of that started. Uh, I, I spent like six years as a part-time job working for uh, 21st Century Innovation. Long story short, we came up with liquid ultra concentrates. And what we did is we removed all of the excess water, all of the formulation aids. So for, for example, cooling water product, you're left with 98% raw material content. And then we designed a couple of packaging concepts where it's very simple and easy to dispense. So that program under our Liquilogic banner has been going well for the last few years. But we also did this. We communicated to customers that you're not limited to just the smaller containers, that we can make concentrates in 55-gallon drums to 75-gallon totes. So again, your freight costs go down, your handling costs go down, it's easy, it's simple, simply by taking away all of the uh, water and formulation aids. So it's been a good concept, Trace. I think it really helped people also weather the storm with supplies because there's only so much room to keep things in whatever warehouse you have. And when you eliminate some of the water, well, you've got more space all of a sudden. That's correct. It reduces that. It reduces on-site storage. It reduces the handling. Um, you know, people aren't breaking their back with a drum. The point again for the liquid ultra concentrates, you don't need water to redissolve them. You're feeding them neat. So all of the rest of the extraneous items have literally all gone away. 
something else that you have had a hand in redesigning was some of the testing procedures that we have on the various tests that we run in our water treatment programs. One is the phosphonate test, which I think people either love it or they hate it, or maybe they love to hate it or love to love it or however that is. So I thought we could take a moment and talk about what some of the issues are with phosphonate testing and then what you did specifically to try to help with that. Some of the challenges with phosphonate testing is the traditional methodology is utilizing thorium nitrate. So that is a low-grade radioactive material. So the health and safety issues with that are not necessarily great. Second problem that people encountered with it is really no one for years knew how to standardize the material. They would make it on a molar basis, cross their fingers, and everything was supposedly hunky-dory. There were issues on pH control. There were issues on fluorides. There were issues on the indicator system that was being used. So what we did is we had worked with uh, Monsanto many, many years ago and had some notations in our file. So over a period of about a year, we were able to redo the, the phosphonate test. So we do not rely on thorium nitrate. There's no radioactivity with it. Um, it's actually a non-hazardous material. We do not need the uh, tight pH control because we're not using thorium. We stopped testing at 1,000 ppm of fluoride for interference and found none. So there's no fluoride interference. Um, the indicator system is far more robust and far more colorful. So even people who have a color deficiency or a color blind can actually pick up that titration input. The other issue about it is, is that we've been able to utilize what, what we call PDQ for the low phosphorus content phosphonates, PBTC, PCA, uh, and actually make it very accurate and very robust. I would agree with you. I still get comments from people that say, I don't like any kind of phosphonate testing because my bad experiences from X number of years ago, we try and explain to people, look, we'll give you a kit. You go play around with it. If you're not happy, that's, that's fine. But it's extremely rare that we get someone who says that after they've tried. But all in all, the old phosphonate methodology for us has died. We don't make any of that anymore. And the new is actually inexpensive, accurate easy to use. People who are colorblind can pick up the, the, the change in hue. It's a good thing. Gary, what are some other things that you are working on at present at Masters? Well, we're, we're always working on stuff. We're always trying to find the, the value-added niche, if you will, for it. So one of the things that we're working on is actually a um, uh, titration methodology for the uh, tag polymers. So the basic principle is, is that um, you know what the fluorescence is for those tag polymers. So instead of having to have several thousand dollars worth of equipment, you can literally take a little black light in a drop count kit and titrate the tag polymer. But you quench the fluorescence. Once the fluorescence is gone, once you have the ratio done, you can uh, know exactly what that is. And of course, we're going to be seeing this at the next AWT convention. I'm hoping, Trace. 
our team here has been uh, working on it, so I'm hoping to have demos available in our booth, yes. We are looking forward to that. Well, Gary, I've got some new lightning round questions for you. You answered round one. You did very well. Now you are getting ready to enter round two. Are you ready? I'm ready, Trace. Let's go. All right. So my first question on round two is, what would you say your superpower is? I don't have any superpowers. Come on now. But but I do have an inquisitive nature, and uh, I love to investigate, and I'm not afraid of failure. Well, Gary, I'm going to give one to you because I remember I was relatively new to AWT leadership. I believe I was just leading in a committee at the time. I hadn't made it to the board level. And I was at an AWT function. It was one of my first ones where everybody gets together that's in leadership with AWT. And you offered me a ride back from the airport. And I remember, I didn't know a lot of people back then, and I felt so welcomed in your presence. It just made me feel like, you know, volunteering for this organization is definitely what I need to be doing. And I just remember you gave me that feeling. So I think that was a superpower. Well, thank you again. But, you know, we're all people. We all pull our pants on the same way. So thank you again. Well, I remember that to this day. So thank you. Thank you for that. That definitely helped me uh, feel good about the decision of becoming a volunteer leader in AWT. So question number two, uh, what would you say one of your biggest accomplishments has been over your life? Oh, that's easy. I married well above my station. Okay. Absolutely married above my station, Trace. Okay. I'm, I'm like super lucky when it comes to that. Uh, If you had a magic wand and can change anything about the world, what would you change? Well, I don't know. I I don't know if that would be me. I'll tell you what. Let's do it this way. Let's get a convention of Ray Baum Award winners, okay? And we'll get a couple of beers and we'll sit down. We'll have a, a chat and we can get everybody's input and then do it that way. All right. That should be interesting. You're in charge of that committee and putting that together. Okay. Um, but I am curious, if, you, if, if I pushed you a little bit and you could just change anything out there, what would it be? I think I would change the point where the world needs to have more respect for one another, that we, we need to kind of tone things down a bit. We're all people. We all share certain you know, values in life, and we need to have that commonality. And although you may not agree with someone, you don't have to be disrespectful when when you're talking. We have definitely lost the art of disagreeing agreeably with people. Absolutely agree. Uh, If somebody doesn't think the exact same thing that we think, then they're just non-existent or or, or worse in some cases. But yeah, I I think we would be so much better off if people would learn to listen again. And if people would value, oh my goodness, this person has a different opinion, I'm going to lean in because maybe I can learn something. I, I absolutely agree. The, the last part is, is when you allow other people to communicate, you learn. And the more you learn, the better it is. So when downtown Chicago erects a statue of Gary Garcia, what does the plaque say? I don't think there'll be a statue. I would hope that the consensus would be that uh, he always tried to do the best that he could. 
Well, Gary, you have done more than the best that you could, I think, when I look at all the things that uh, that you have done throughout your career and just personally helping me. So I want to thank you for that. And I want to thank you for coming on the Scaling Up H2O podcast. Trace, thank you kindly. Thank you again. Gary, as always, thank you for coming on the podcast. Nation, I just have to say again, when I first got involved in AWT leadership, I did not feel like I belonged there. I felt like everybody knew more than I did. I felt like I didn't know the AWT system as well as other people. And I was just there because people wanted to be nice to me. Well, I soon realized that if you have no fear of getting things done, you will rise to become the president of the Association of Water Technologies. And I definitely had that honor. But when I was experiencing not knowing a lot of people within the organization, one of the people that was so kind to me and gave me a ride to the airport and we had a great conversation was Gary Garcia. And he has just been a great friend. Uh, a great ally and trying to figure out what goes on in different chemistries, how do we improve things, just an amazing individual. So Gary, I can't tell you how much I have enjoyed our relationship throughout the years and thank you for sharing what you share with the Scaling Up Nation. Nation, if you have somebody that you want me to interview, don't keep that to yourself. Let me know what that is. Let me know who that is, and we will reach out to them, and we will share that person with the Scaling Up Nation. I love meeting new people, and I love getting more resources out to you the Scaling Up Nation. And somebody that does that each and every week is our friend, James McDonald. Here's the next installment of Periodic Water Table with James. Hello and welcome to the Periodic Water Table with James, where we think and learn about water chemistry drop by drop. Please use your week to search online, ask your colleagues, or even pick up a book to learn more about each week's Periodic Water Table topic if you do, at the end of the year, you'll be 52 water chemistry smarter. So let's raise the water table of knowledge together and get started. Today's topic is sodium hexametaphosphate. I like how that one rose off the tongue, hexametaphosphate. So what is sodium hexametaphosphate used for? What's its chemical formula? What systems is it used within? What dosages are used for sodium hexametaphosphate? When used as a corrosion inhibitor, does it function as an anionic or cathodic corrosion inhibitor? When used for scale inhibition, is it considered a stoichiometric or threshold scale inhibitor? Does pH have an impact upon its performance? How do you test for it and does the test required differ according to which water system it is used within? What is the acronym used for sodium hexametaphosphate? Remember, knowledge is power, and taking the time to learn more about water chemistry each week will help make you a force to be reckoned with. Be sure to post what you learn to social media and tag it with hashtag watertable23 and hashtag scalingupH2O. I look forward to learning more from you.
You gotta love sodium hexamethophosphate. In fact, I was talking about training in water treatment math, and I actually teach in that portion how to convert different species of phosphate, because normally the equation will assume one species, but maybe your product has another species, so there you go. There's another reason that math is your friend. And of course, as always, we know that James McDonald is our friend and bringing us all this great content, making us a better water treater each and every week. Well, Nation, I hope we're doing that each and every podcast episode. I love going to conventions and training seminars and people coming up to me and letting me know how much this podcast means to them. So thank you for all those people that do that. Thank you for being part of the Scaling Up Nation and listening to this podcast each and every week. And thank you to so many people out there that are spreading the word about this podcast. And we get new listeners each and every week. And that is because of you. So next time you are talking to a fellow water treater, let them know that we have a podcast of our very own. It's called Scaling Up H2O. I'm the host. I'm Trace Blackmore. And I will be back with you next Friday with a brand new episode. Scale Up Nation, you asked for it and it is here. So many of you are taking the Certified Water Technologist examination and you're wanting to get better information on how to better answer the mock exam. Now this is the exam that you get when you sign up for the CWT exam. Well, I have heard your request and I've done exactly that. I have recorded a class that has exactly what you've been asking for. It is me answering each one of the questions and letting you know why I chose certain answers. And of course, everybody wants me to do math and I do all the math on the mock exam. So you can see how to get the right answer. And I hope this is something that will help build your confidence so you can get your certification. You can go to scalinguph2o.com forward slash CWT prep. Once again, that's scalinguph2o.com forward slash CWT prep. Get out there and get your certification today.